to Let's Talk to Animals. My name is Shannon Cutts. I am an animal intuitive and sensitive and a Reiki master practitioner, but more importantly for our purposes here today, I'm your friendly neighborhood hostess and guide to all things interspecies communications. We've had so many amazing guests on the show in our four seasons to date, and today is one of my favorites. We've got Erin Scott from Believe in Dog. She is a pet parent. A parent, that's P-A-W-R-E-N-T for fellow geekazoids who like to make up words. And she's also the founder and hostess of not one, but two podcasts, which makes me feel like a beginner, like an amateur, right? But then again, you don't have a co-hostess who likes to flap across and jump on the keyboard and try to close the Zoom. For those of you who are watching the video version, you're meeting my 15-week-old cockatiel petal who has never met a computer keyboard she doesn't like. So <laughs> that's always interesting trying to get through a podcast recording. I always call uh, baby parrots puppies with wings. And so you can just kind of <laughs> that's perfect that visual in your head as we get going here. If you hear or see anything unusual, now you know where it came from. So what we're doing here on Let's Talk to Animals is we're just kind of, first of all, we're leveling this, the interspecies playing field. We're recognizing that we all have the ability to communicate with one another. We're just kind of opening up our awareness about all the different ways that that can happen. And second of all, we're really trying to demystify and de-woo the intuitive side of life what some likes to call the softer side of life, which really, to me, this is about as real as it gets. And we've all got our intuitive pathways. We've all got the intuitive level of our everyday senses of hearing and seeing and smelling and tasting and touching and those deep aha moments that no one can talk us out of, right? Including ourselves. And so we're just kind of trying to open up some conversation around that, get curious, start wondering. You know, Einstein once said, there's two ways that you can live life. One is if everything is a miracle and the other is if nothing is a miracle. And I just ask you, which sounds better to you? Here on Let's Talk to Animals, we have chosen option A. We love the miraculous. We love the extraordinary. We love how it feels to awaken to our own inner GPS system. And often how our animals are the first messengers of that in our life. They're the ones that come into our life through soul contracts that we have. They come into our life to wake us up, to help us recognize that we are so much more than we're giving ourselves credit for. And because they do it with such gentleness and unconditional love, we tend to accept it in ways we might not ever accept it from our fellow humans. And so, Erin, you've got a rather unusual story of how you became an animal lover and a parent, and now you and your husband, Tim, you rescue animals, and you've got, at any given time, you may have a full house, and you've got two animal podcasts, and you just do some really amazing work with a local rescue, but as we've been chatting, I've learned that it wasn't always that way, and so... You're in the hot seat now. I, I tell our guests, we always like to start with a little bit of personal history. Take us back. What was it like before you knew how amazing dogs were? <laughs> what was that like for you? So I will say when I was very little, my grandparents had a St. Bernard and I did love him, but he passed away when I was about four or five. And I I really wanted a dog. I loved him. I, I really wanted a dog. And it was basically like not going to happen. And 
you know, I did this thing that I, I don't know if everybody does, but it's definitely been a pattern I've had to work on in therapy in my life mm. where it's kind of like, well, I didn't want it anyway. Right. Yeah, <laughs> and yeah. um, no idea what you're talking about. <laughs> And then I kind of had some like, just like strange uh, encounters with dogs when I was younger. I had like a, a friend and, you know, I would go over her house and she had this cocker spaniel and she'd be like, don't get him excited. He he piddles. And I didn't know what that meant. And it meant uh, peas on your foot. <laughs> and uh, and then, uh, yeah, I had this this boyfriend like when I was in college and his family lived near these wood, this wooded area, and they had this lab, this yellow lab, and they would just let him run through the woods all the time. And so, you know, I'd come over and I'm trying to look all cute and everything with my outfit. And like this muddy dog would just like tackle me and knock me down and get me muddy. And so I sort of thought dogs were these like muddy, peeing, <laughs> strange creatures that, you know, and I can be. I wouldn't really... necessarily say you were wrong there, <laughs> you know, and, and so I, I was just like, that's just not, not just not for me. And, uh, you know, when I met my husband, I remember him telling me very early on in the early days of us meeting that, you know, he always loved dogs. He had lived in this kind of series of like crappy CD apartments where you couldn't really have animals. And, and so it was always his goal to, you know, that we would buy a house and have a yard and, and get this dog. And he had this vision of the dog he wanted, which was a female brindle pit bull. And wow. so very specific, yeah, very specific. Yes. And, and he had been carrying that vision in his head for almost 10 years by the time that we bought our house and had got our yard and I, I went on the website for our local animal shelter and right there on the first page was a female brindle pit bull. And I thought, all right, I, I guess we're getting the dog, you know, and I, I always joke I was a reluctant dog owner. I really didn't know about this whole thing. And uh, it really ended up changing my life. I didn't know I was a dog person until I was 25. And, you know, nearly 20 years later, here we are. And <laughs> it's just fantastic. Sometimes we, we, we do talk ourselves out of the best things in life, right? We do. And then we discover that we can't live without the animal that piddles on the carpet or chews up our earbuds. I moved in with my mother. She's turning 80 and she had a really bad fall right after my father passed away. So I ended up moving in here to help with everything. And sometimes she gets a little bit antsy when my tortoise pees on the, on the wood floor again. And I, I have to remind her, yes, our house would be cleaner if our animals weren't in it, but there's also a really good chance we no longer would want to live here. So <laughs> It's all kind of a trade-off. So now you have become a, a team dog and somehow that morphed into launching not one, but two pet podcasts. And yeah. so tell us a little bit about that. And because usually when our animals cross our paths, first of all, it's just, they're there to love us because we don't get enough of that. We don't allow ourselves to have enough of that, even if it's there. And somehow we're able to allow with our animals in a way we can't even with other members of our own species. So there is that, but often there's also a calling attached. You started these two podcasts and you've got your own dog health guide. I know that that was prompted by a rather harrowing experience with one of your rescue dogs. And you do some pretty incredible work with a local dog 
rescue. And so it feels like when dogs entered your life, yes, there was a rekindling of that childhood love. Yes. There was maybe a loosening of some of the, you know, maybe looking cute is overrated. I don't know. Um, but there also feels like that perhaps there was a deeper call or an invitation to actively play a part, not just for your own pets, but for other animals that are in need and other, other dog parents. So I'd love to hear a little bit about that, that journey for you. So I'll give you a little bit of the background and I, I I feel like it's always a little sad to talk about, but I've gone through enough therapy that I can talk about it. Okay. These days, but, uh, you know, in 2003, uh, when I met my husband, he had a son from a previous relationship and in 2003, his son and the mother of his son were killed in a car accident. And that was extremely devastating for us. And it sort of, derailed things for a little while. Um, you know, we weren't in a good place and, you know, looking back on it, it's like I had like no healthy coping skills or coping mechanisms and nothing in my life could have ever have prepared me for that kind of experience. And so that was in 2003. And then in like sort of quick succession, we ended up uh, getting engaged and buying our house and adopting our dog and getting married. And we both had job changes. And it was this very sort of, you know, chaotic, some of it in a good way, but, you know, just a lot of like life changes. And so uh, bringing Lucy and then the next year uh, we adopted Kalua into our lives uh, when a lot of it felt like shifting sand, you know, they became like this really positive, like constant uh, healing force in our lives. And so those first couple years that, you know, they were in our lives, I mean, they just, sometimes they were like the only reason I got out of bed that day, you know, and, uh, it was, it was a really, you know, powerful experience to have them to come home, to look forward to, to get me out the door, to take the walk and be uh, in nature and, and stuff. So, um, that, that's really how I sort of see like those first few years that, um, after after his loss was the dogs were there really there for us when we needed them yeah and then i think like it's like i kind of got to this point where i felt very healed and i sort of realized a lot of this was because of the dogs and i felt like i wanted to give back and there was an organization just starting up in baltimore called be more dog it was a lot of people who all had pit bull dogs and we ended up launching a program uh, a few years later that we call the Be More Dog Wellness Clinics, where we provide free veterinary care. We do like these pop-up veterinary clinics throughout different neighborhoods in Baltimore. Um, I think we've served like over 4,000 dogs. And, uh, you know, we've had like free leashes and collars and we have partnerships wow. with other organizations to provide like free dog food. And, uh, you know, uh, we do like grooming, like dematting and nail trims and all these sorts of things and they see a vet and we can provide a lot of times free medications for things like you know ear infections or you know we've really tried to make it as much like wraparound services it's really kind of grown over the year and over the years and so this is just really lit me up from you know yeah i can see this those of you who are watching the video version you could see it i can see it on your face like you just come alive as you're talking about it and uh, I just, I feel like I've met so many amazing people, right? Like I, mm-hmm. and I hear their stories and, you know, I, like I have a friend who left her corporate job and she's now a trick dog trainer. And so like oh, her dog. How cool dogs, is that? 
It is. Yeah. Like they're in, um, like she was in like Chewy.com TV commercials and all these different, like a, a Mercedes Benz ad, you know, I mean, just all these amazing oh. things that she's doing. And, you know, I know somebody else who, who left a marketing job and she has a nonprofit and she literally goes like door to door in neighborhoods in Baltimore and starts talking to people about like, do you need anything? Do you have pets? Do you know, do you need food? And she kind of creates this like network of people that help each other out in the neighborhood. And, you know, they can do like temporary fosters if, you know, there's a, you know, situation that arises. It's really amazing. And so I was just really inspired by all of these people that I yes. was seeing. And I was like, somebody should be telling these stories, you know, because I know how dogs have impacted my life. And and I started seeing like so many people have stories like this. And uh, I had some friends a couple years ago who were doing a podcast. It was kind of funny. It was like about kind of like dating horror stories. And they were kind of like... Oh. <laughs> like that would have been a good one <laughs> like they made it seem doable you know that I could do this and you know because I would tell my husband like oh somebody should have a podcast to tell these stories and he's like I think you should have a podcast to tell mm -hmm. these stories. you know and he's always my biggest cheerleader for all of my crazy ideas so that's how Believe in Dog started to just you know share these stories of how like sometimes this dog comes into your life and nothing is ever the same again uh and then you know I, I always joke that I'm like a dog health nerd um you know I'm very into you know like my dogs that I have the same chiropractor because she treats you know people and animals and you know uh they our vet does acupuncture and ozone and I just I love all these things and you know I've had dogs with like mystery illnesses that like we have a hard yeah. time getting like the right diagnosis for. And so I've really tried to explore just all the different tools that are in the toolbox to help our pets. And so I happened to cross paths with Kimberly Gautier, who is this amazing dog blogger about raw feeding and, and health, raising healthy dogs. And so we started the second podcast last year called The Alternative Dog Moms, where we kind of share all these different things that we're doing with our dogs, bring on, you know, some of the people that are doing these like cutting edge work or these amazing products that are helping so many animals. And so I get to kind of be both like heart centered with the Believe in Dog podcast and then kind of get like nerdy on my uh, Alternative Dog Moms podcast. Um, and then, yes, yeah, sort of in the middle of all this during COVID was when my dog Penny had this health crisis and uh, which we actually think was sort of caused by uh, antibiotic overusage and it wrecked her oh. gut health and it created like a whole host of, of issues. And uh, we were trying just all these different things, you know, with herbal treatment, you know, Chinese yeah. herbs and all these different, you know, foot baths. And, you know, she had these like sores on her feet. So I was trying to just like keep track of like everything that we're doing and like, are these things helping or not helping? And, and that's how I ended up creating my dog health journal system. And what happened was in the middle of all of this, Penny ended up getting an ear infection. And so we had these drops that we had to put in her ear and like a day or two later, I realized like she didn't bark at the mailman and she barks at him every day. You know, our mailbox oh. is like right outside on the front of the house and it like clangs shut and she slept right through it. And that was very odd. And because of it being like during the quarantine lockdown, I was here all day to see this. And then like I had to run out somewhere and I came back and she was like completely asleep right by the front door, never even mm -hmm. realized I came in. 
And I realized that she wasn't hearing things. And I'm thinking, you know, I'm looking at my my dog health journal, like, oh, we just started eardrops. She's not hearing things. I contacted our vet and found out that in this like a tiny percentage of dogs, they can have an ototoxicity reaction to these eardrops. And so luckily, fortunately, because we caught it so early, because I have been taking all these notes and, and making all these notes of what was unusual, we caught it so quickly and she did end up regaining her hearing. But my vet had only seen that like four times in 20 years. So it wasn't wow. even something that she ever thought, you know, to, to warn you about. But that was a lesson learned the hard way for sure. Uh, so yeah, that's just sort of how all these things have, have come about. And I've just tried to go with the flow. And like I said, my husband is always my, my number one cheerleader whenever I'm like, you know what I think I should do? And he's like, let's do it. And so mm -hmm. I'm always very fortunate to him. <laughs> well, you've been his greatest cheerleader too. I mean, when he saw that brindle pit bull, you said, okay, let's do it. And so, and he did probably didn't know what he was getting himself into <laughs> and all the great ideas you were going to have as a result of that. Right. Exactly. So yeah. What a team, what a great team. You know, you, you mentioned something on, and I, forgive me for not knowing which one of your blog sites it was on that I found it, but it really like hit me right in the heart where you said, you don't ever want other dog parents to feel alone. And I thought that is the great epidemic today. You know, we're having these deep experiences with our own animals. And sometimes we're having some very difficult experiences with our animals. And there's a wealth of information out there. There are other pet parents who've gone through this, but we don't know it or we don't know it at the time it's happening to us. And so there's nothing to ease that loneliness. And I'm curious because you are connected in so many different communities and you've interviewed so many, so many amazing people who are making an impact. If there's kind of one central theme or need that's emerged from that, what the pet parent community is really calling out for right now. What's like the number one thing that would ease that loneliness? Because it does, and you know, we're even still, it's like the pet people versus the non-pet people. It's like, oh, it's just an animal, get another one. Thankfully that's fading away, but it's like sometimes in our closest communities, there's still a lot of that going on. Like you're having a funeral for a dog and it was like, um, yeah, why is that even something you would comment on? And so we we look around us and we don't see our passions mirrored back to us. So I'm just curious, like how many of the people you've interviewed have come to their work out of that place of feeling alone and not wanting? And then is there one thing that maybe we could we could offer to one another even that, or just how to, I don't know, it's a big question, but it just really struck me. I thought, because yes, we do feel alone. And in these moments of crisis, especially we we're like we're drowning in our own fear or grief and there's no existing infrastructure set up so i'm just curious what your take on that is so i i think the like the two different themes that i've heard over years and that i've experienced in my own ways also is like the agony when something is wrong with your pet and you don't know what it is and you, you know, you're trying to get help for them, 
but like you can't get the right diagnosis or you try a medication and it's not working and you see that they're suffering and you, is this the end? I don't know. Um, that's something that uh, I, I see a lot. And then similarly, like with behavioral issues, you know, people who have like a really reactive, you know, dog that might, you know, maybe they can't bring it around other dogs or if they have a very like anxious dog. And and I have a little bit of that with my guy, Nino, um, that, you know, you're trying like everything that you have in your playbook, you know, to help the situation. And particularly, you know, if your dog, you know, can't take a, be taken around other dogs, you know, is very yeah. reactive, you know, it, it's embarrassing. You feel ashamed. You feel like people are judging you. Um, you know, people will end up getting up at four in the morning to walk the dogs so that they can make sure they don't run into anybody else. Um, they think they're the only ones going through this. And, you know, that that's where like the power of social media, like can be good even though we know there's a lot of downsides to it, but like, you know, having like these Facebook groups or even, uh, you know, on Instagram, if you find somebody using like a hashtag that's, you know, reactive dog or you know something, um, mm. you know, that you can start to like find that sense of community. And, and I, I guess I feel like through the podcasts that I try to touch on some of these different types of topics to share, you know, that you're not alone, that somebody else is going through this, you know, that here's what they have done. And, you know, and I always sort of hope that it's a combination of uh, being able to see you, you know, and, and recognize, you know, that this is a real stressor, you know, that this is a real thing, as well as provide, you know, some sort of actionable resource, you know, for people also, like, I, I'm, I'm always hoping it's always my goal to kind of be able to, to, you know, understand where you're coming from emotionally, as well as, you know, provide helpful yes. information and resources. Yes. Oh, brilliant. Brilliant. Yeah. Cause that, that emotional support is so key. It's like, if we get too psyched out by our own intense emotions around an issue, it can be hard to take any action at all. Our animals are supposed to be, they're our best friends, our closest companions. And yet sometimes they can also be our biggest challenges. And, yeah. and so it, it can be hard when we suddenly feel alone in the relationship that's been the greatest source of sustenance. And we feel such this tremendous responsibility. And of course, here on Let's Talk to Animals, we talk to animals. And so we are bringing that that interspecies conversation element to the table. And I'm curious, it's certainly not a requirement. It, obviously, we've had guests on the show and, and they come from complementary fields. And yet I do often find that there is an interest in the intuitive communication aspect of caring for an animal. And there are often some experiences hiding out in plain sight where we've had moments where we really have received messages from our animals or maybe even have had experiences of working with animal intuitives to help our animals during these crisis moments. And I'm wondering if any of that applies to you because you have had some very challenging love bonds with some of some of your animal family. Yeah, we we have worked uh, with animal communicators over the years. I I didn't really sort of stumble on to realizing about any of this until about ten years ago, and so it was right around the time that our first 
girls, Lucy and Kalua, it was like right around the time when they were sick and passing that I even discovered that this was an option or a thing that was out there. And, and that was when I learned Reiki and, and kind of learned about it that way. Um, I can tell you one of the most powerful experiences I've had working with a communicator, we had adopted our guy Nino and uh, we re- we just wanted to kind of do a session to kind of like just welcome him to the family, make mm. sure Penny was okay with it, just kind of get ev- make sure everybody was all right with things. And the first thing that the communicator said to us was, what's wrong with his stomach? Something's going on with his stomach. And we didn't know that anything was wrong with his stomach. Well, uh, a couple weeks later, he started vomiting up pieces of rubber and we ended up, he had an obstruction in his stomach. We had to have like emergency surgery to remove it. And we found out before he came to us, um, he had eaten pieces of a car tire, like a steel belted radial car tire. And he had all of these pieces that he had been where they were coming out and then they had to go in and remove the rest of it and so sure enough something had been wrong with his stomach and she you know had sensed it right away that something wasn't right here and you know that has always stuck with me um but i'll tell you what's interesting is just that i have learned so much about how our animals are always constantly communicating with us and whether it's intuitive or whether it's like through their body language and I can just you know and I and and maybe it's better with just my animals since I see them all the time but even when I go out and if I'm in a large group situation you know these festivals where people bring their dogs and you know and you're watching their their body language and sometimes I'm like it's just through the grace of dogs being so generous that there aren't more problems because I, you start realizing how many people aren't in tune with what their dogs are trying to tell them and um you know, we had tried to foster a dog at one point when we had Lucy and Kalua, and we brought a third dog in and that dog had not had a great start to life. And I think she struggled with dog learning what other dogs were trying to tell her. And we ended up and I also we were very new to all this and we had no idea what we we're doing. <laughs> I take a lot of responsibility. Ah, yeah, that's always fun, right? The, yeah, the learning curve. <laughs> We had this dog fight in our house and it was really upsetting. And, you know, in the end, we were able to rehome that other dog. She was really lovely for somebody else, (laughs) you know, Mm -hmm. but, but I just looked back at, at all the times that Lucy had like been trying to tell us that this wasn't working, you know, and like they tried to tell me. And it wasn't until several years later when I, I got this book and I learned more about like their body line and I felt horrible. And I just like, I felt like, oh, she was trying to tell me all these things. And, and so I've really worked, you know, through all my senses uh, and intuitive, you know, senses as well to really understand that they are always trying to talk to us and tell us what's going on and whether that's with their health or how, you know, and how they're feeling or you know, what's going on, like, they really do just try so hard. And, and it's up to us to to kind of tune into that, whatever that means for us. That's brilliant. I mean, I love that, because it makes so much sense, no matter what species we are, when we're in close relationship, we want to share our lives with that other being so much of the the miss the so called mystery around the intuitive arts and things like animal communication is that it's really not mysterious. And your story 
just perfectly captures that communication is communication is communication. And we could try to make it more mysterious or more woo-woo than it is. But really, when you really look at it, our ability to communicate effectively at all with any species is kind of miraculous. I mean, how many human <laughs> conversations, human to human conversations have has the average human, I can speak for myself, how many human to human conversations have I had in my life where I've really walked away going, man, I just nailed that. Like every word was, and I just, and I understood perfectly. It's like, we're always refining our abilities, but it starts with recognizing that we have them. Right. Don't recognize that we have them. And I love your example about body language because so much of it, non-human animals, they do use their whole bodies to communicate. And so often we cut ourselves off from that. We don't recognize that we have so many communication tools. And that's how, when, if you're listening to this and you're like, oh, I don't have any idea what you're talking about. When was the last time you listened to somebody talk and you thought their words sound good, but this just doesn't feel right to me. Or you look at the body language and you think they're saying they're open to more or to a partnership or to my uh, idea or to whatever it is, but everything about their body language is close. Yeah. We're doing it right now. We're both like going, if you're watching the video where we both just leaned back and crossed our arms over our chest, it's always happening. So much of interspecies communication is about becoming more effective communicators ourselves. I have found that I have better, more, more fulfilling and, and, and more mutually fulfilling conversations with my own species because my animals are teaching me and the animals that I work with, they're teaching me how to be a better communicator, which is pretty cool. A couple quick questions. One, this is kind of a wonderful novelty. You're a pet parent who has, has come on Let's Talk to Animals to share your experiences and insights. And you've also used communicators. And so I would love to just touch on if you have any tips for folks who may want to try animal communication, but you Google animal communicators and it's just like, oh, great. Didn't know the market was flooded. How do I pick? So I'd love to get a few tips. And then I also want to make sure that our listeners know how to reach out to you because you do, you have amazing stories on two different platforms and you have your own, your own website that I want you to tell us about with the health journal that I think could be really beneficial, really impactful for so many times. It's our animals when they have these health challenges. And this is what sets us on this path and there's no going back because I am not stopping until I find something that helps my animals. So I'd love it if you could kind of close us out with a few tips from your own experiences and then just sharing more about what you have to offer in all these different mediums to, to help pet parents not feel alone. Word of mouth is probably the best way that I have found Um, I will tell you, I actually, the first time we ever tried to work with a communicator, there was somebody who was kind of really renowned that uh, was local to me at the time. And we kind of didn't have a great experience. I left kind of like that didn't resonate with me. And I was a little turned off. I will, I later found out that she was very sick with cancer at that time. And she passed away shortly thereafter. So I don't know if that played a role, you know, in it. Um, But I ended up uh, getting connected with someone just again through through word of mouth. And, you know, we've worked with her for over 10 years and I have referred other people to her. And, you know, everybody who I've referred to her has always had a great experience. And um, 
And I, I feel very fortunate that I get to connect, you know, with people because now I'm like, oh, I have this like four different people I would love to work uh -huh. with, you know. And, um, uh, so, so I'm always open to trying new things, and um, and yeah, and if it doesn't resonate with you, don't be afraid to try somebody else. Try again, you know. It doesn't always; it's not always the perfect fit, uh, but that doesn't mean that it doesn't work or or something, you know, as a whole. It just you know, sometimes you just don't click. It's like if you're going to a therapist, sometimes you gotta, you know, it doesn't click and you gotta move on to the Absolutely. next one. Absolutely. <laughs> one of my coaches says, anything that fails in your life, just consider that research. Right. And I love the idea. It's like having an experience, the experience like you had of if something being off, it's not, that's kind of proof in a way that the, in, the intuition that you have inside you is waking up. It is alive. It is real. It's like, yeah, I'm not going to, I'm not going to say no to the whole thing. I'm just going to say no to this particular interaction. And that's actually me trusting myself. And it gets you, it's like when I published my first book, I decided that instead of getting daunted by all of the, the stories online of how many rejections people could go through, I decided that every rejection, every no on my list was going to be one step closer to a yes. And I think it was number 69 or 70 who finally <laughs> said yes, but I got to my yes. So it's like kind of how we approach it. So I love that. We've all had it. I've had it too. I've even had it with animal communicators that I worked with. And then I went back to, and it was no longer resonant. It was no longer a fit. Mm. And that's so good about what you shared about. We don't ever always know what's going on in that other being's life could change yeah. the interaction a lot. So tell us more about how people can find you. Sure. You so you, you can doing. go to erinthedogmom.com and that will link you to both the podcast and the journal everything's all right there fantastic and uh yeah i'd love love for people to come say hi and, and check out the podcast yeah they're really amazing i mean i seriously know how much work one podcast is yeah yeah <laughs> especially when you have three guests at any one time <laughs> <laughs> Well, it's been absolutely lovely. Thank you again for, for sharing your time with us Thank today. ErinTheDogMom.com. And we've got Believe in Dog and the Alternative Dog Mom. And you can learn lots about all kinds of amazing folks from all different walks of life that are really changing the lives of the animals that we love and need and rely on for some of the deepest love relationships we'll ever experience in our life. I so resonate with what you shared earlier about how sometimes our animals are the ones that get us out of bed in the morning. <laughs> sometimes they're the only ones that get us up out of yeah. bed in the morning. Thank goodness they're there. And aren't we lucky that we attracted these loving, evolved, amazing, humble, benevolent souls into our lives. And for you, our dear listeners and viewers, thank you for sharing a little bit of your little corner in your world, a little moment in your day with us here at Let's Talk to Animals. Very grateful for your listening ears and your watching eyes. Please do, do, do all the things like share, subscribe, because it helps our little show stay alive and vibrant and connected here in the greater, greater, much greater blogosphere. You can always find... Myself, Petal, Multi, Io, and Flash Gordon over at animallovelanguages.com. And we always love to hear from you. We're doing these episodes every two weeks in 2023. Give me a little bit more time to kind of prepare and dive in deep with each episode. 
Find us over on Buzzsprout and over on all your favorite streaming services, as well as over on YouTube. My handle is SM Cuts, which is super unsexy, but that's okay because that's what I chose 20 years ago when YouTube was <laughs> first starting to be a thing. And now I'm stuck with it. So I look forward to connecting with you and hearing from you and welcoming you back in a couple of weeks for a fresh new episode of Let's Talk to Animals. Okay. And Miss Erin, thank you so very much. Thank you. For sharing your wonderful inner species world with us and uh, look forward to following you and keeping up with all of your adventures. Yeah.